Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the show today. My guest is my new friend, and I mean really, truly, he is my new friend, and his name is Matthew Coleman, and I want to welcome you to the show today, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Indeed it is. I'm in, I'm it's going to be a terrific show and I thought before we even proceeded about getting to know you and the topic that we're talking about, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to our mutual friend Margot Drago. Margot and I Absolutely. have been friends for over 40 years and she became a very instrumental person in and you did became a very instrumental person in her life when you met Margot and her dog Charlie. And we're going to be talking about you and your compassion to serve whomever you meet, wherever that might be, because truly that's who you are. And as people hear your story, they're going to know that as well. And I thought, Matthew, the way that we could start off and I is that you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Give us an idea of who who Matthew Coleman is. Sure, sure. Well, again, thank you very much for having me. And uh, yes, it's wonderful to say hi to Margot. It was uh, wonderful. And that is typically how I meet people, just being about out and about. Um, my name is Matthew Coleman, obviously. Uh, born and raised in Ohio, uh, a few different areas, but primarily Russell Township, specifically Novelty, Ohio, which I love to say, and there's a backstory behind that, but we can get, get into that some other time. Um, education uh, started off basically with a Walsh Jesuit, uh, the Loyola University of Chicago for my first degree, Columbus College of uh, Art and Design for my second. Um, then throw on top of that all of the wonderful experience and training and uh, even education that you can get uh, while, I'm in the, while you're in the military. I was in the United States Navy as a mass communication specialist. After that, used the GI Bill uh, you know, to, to get further education at a, a multiple subject credential at Cal State San Marcos. Then as I uh, sort of, you know, veered into speech-language pathology and working on the prereqs for that, that's pretty much where my health uh, took a, a major turn and uh, led me into the path of what I do now, volunteering in the communities and, and basically still just giving back what I've been given and what I have back into the communities. Well, that's really nice. And, and, and you know, with, with Veterans Day just around the corner, um, I'm actually going to do a show with two women um, veterans on Veterans Day, but I I would want to also acknowledge and thank you for your service because it is a commitment and it is a sacrifice, and and, and thank, thank you very you. much um, for doing that. I I'm just I'm so excited. I guess that's just you know it makes me think of the Pointer Sisters, <laughs> and I just can't hide it. You know, I just always want to break into a song, right? Neat. Thank you for laughing. Uh, some people might not get that. <laughs> But you are certainly thank you. Um, you are certainly an advocate. I, I would put that on top of all of the things next to your name. You are truly I, I, an I advocate. Agree. I, I like that. Thank you. 
I, I find that to be true. So let's let's talk about some of the things that are important. And I'd like you, if you wouldn't mind, to just name one or two things that get in the way of appreciating others. What is that? What does that oh. mean to you? Okay, sure. Um, I mean, to truly appreciate others, I do believe that we have to have understanding or empathy and at least at least a good reference for someone else's perspective and point of view. Um, in, in saying that, when I say that I'm more of a person of action and, you know, let, let the work speak for itself, let your actions speak louder than your words, uh, when we truly appreciate each other, if we want to be able to do that, in this day and age especially, more than any other time in history, we have to. We have to set aside you know, the, the, the politics and, and the, the, the modern materialism, things like that. We have to put that down when we are addressing issues of the human condition. Uh, you know, that's, that's plain and simple. I've seen that proven throughout history and more so even today. When we, when we talk about appreciating each other, looking at each other's perspectives and understanding how to solve some of these issues that are facing us all, how to solve them together, we have to say, okay, for this particular issue, we're going to set the politics down. We're not going to fight over who gets to change the tire on the non-working car. We're just going to get it done. I, I think that's very important nowadays. I would agree. And have you always had that sort of sense of appreciation? I mean, you, you've had an extended amount of education in the military. Did mm -hmm. you always just internally have that about yourself? I, I think so, and and when that's pointed out when you're young, and and people you know tell you that because these are all things that we've been taught from the beginning, from our family structures, from our schools, you know, to to really appreciate each other and and be good to each other. Okay, no matter what we're striving for for ourselves, it has to include others. Um, and so from a very young age, just simple terms like turn the tables, you know, look at it from someone else's perspective. I truly believe that when we say certain things. We should mean them, and our actions, our actions show how much we've absorbed that information. You know, when, when someone says, you know, try to make someone's day, you know, be, be good, did they not mean that, you know, or were they, were they meaning only do it a little bit or only do it in a way that fits with what's normal? Um, you know, to, to appreciate people and to, to make their day, so to speak. You know, that's always a good thing, and there are plenty of people, yourself, I believe, is one of myself, that, that love that. That's one of the things that we get something out of when we see someone having a, a better day for crossing our path than worse. You know, so, yeah, from a very early age. And then, of course, you know, figuring out ways to actually implement that in, in the adult world. <laughs> and that's not always easy, is it? Not easy at all and not, and not at all. And, yes, the, you know, many people who try to be involved – in community advocacy or even individual advocacy with veterans or with animal rescue, there undeniably is some pushback. Um, and, and my ways of doing things when I'm involved, when I'm not, you know, either just holding up one sign or the other for a side, uh, when I'm involved in getting people to solve these things together, that, that becomes a lot more apparent. It becomes a lot easier when you're, when you're looking at common problems that all of a sudden turn into common goals. And people that might at first think, you know, this guy's got a dystopian view and he just wants to complain. No, no, it's not that at all. I simply don't sugarcoat. I've got plenty of sugar if we need it, you know, but <laughs> I don't sugarcoat things. 
And, and I'm able to get people to realize, listen, what we're talking about and what we're saying really isn't what it means unless we put it into action. And those actions have results for people, not just individuals. Boy, you know, I, I'm. we have had the pleasure of having a few conversations prior to our yes. show. And yes. I'm just, honestly, I'm I'm really trying not to interrupt. I'm trying to do a better job of hosting. <laughs> and in the process, I'm able to take some notes. And you know what occurs to me, Matthew, as you speak? Because you've, well you've really put out some very simple nuggets. I think words matter. I think words have always yes. mattered. But what you do is I studied is you Latin. Take I studied Latin, words. and I love language, yes. See, well, <laughs> that is apparent. But I think what's mm-hmm. so uniquely special about you is that you take those words and you turn them into actions. And what just occurred yes. to me as you were just speaking about this, this first question I asked you, there's got to be a book somewhere. I don't know if you have time to do a book, but I could really see where Hmm. you could take just some of the things that you've just said, just, just like when I asked you about your family, about it's not just good enough to turn the tables if you're not going to put it into action. It's not, it's having common problems. How can they become common goals? That sounds like such a simple thing to say. But for many people, they only see the problem, and they right. do not even think there is a goal. And I, yes. I, I really now, I appreciate that. Let me add to that. That's a wonderful thing to bring up. Um, first off, yeah, I, I will be you know, hopefully putting a lot more of what I, what I feel down for dissemination in the future. There's a young lady that, that works in a law firm in, in uh, New York, and I met her through an online course uh, that we were both taking when we were studying speech language pathology. And we stayed, we remained very, very good friends and stayed very good friends. She would edit most of everything that I'd post. She, cause she's a, gram- a grammar police freak and everything too. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're very good friends and she's, she's privy to, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, writers and things like that. And if I needed someone to help me with that, I certainly could because time, time is the, is the biggest, you know, biggest factor there. Um, so when, when it comes to that, I'm looking forward to that and love it. And then go back to what you were saying just after that. Uh, what were you saying just after that about? Um, well, I was talking about how you you learned about turning the tables and that words matter yes. and 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 then the implementation implementation of hearing those words and then physically mm-hmm. doing something about it. I don't yes. I don't know if that's yes. what you were referring to. Yeah, it, I mean, that, that's, that's great. I, I can go with that uh, because these labels and terms that we use that to me are so fascinating and interesting. Uh, from a very young age, um, when, when I would see things in my surroundings, uh, and let's talk simply about like something like the Mona Lisa. Okay, if someone showed me a picture of the Mona Lisa, and this never happened, literally, so I'll, I'll use this as a good you know, hyperbolic example. Uh, the, the picture of the Mona Lisa, if someone shows that to me and I'm learning about how beautiful it is, but then if I see it 10 minutes later and someone says, here's a picture from our history and it was used to sell macaroni and cheese, I, I, a red flag goes up in my head. I do not think so. I, I, the, like the wonderful quote from Princess Bride, I do not think that word means what you think it means. Um, and being a person with, with an education and background in those fields of writing, you know, even, even if it comes to manipulation or you know, some of the marketing and advertising that, that, we, that goes into our societies, um, when, it, when it gets to the point of false representation, 
I really have a problem with that, especially when it leads people to treat others poorly. On top of that, here's my biggest thing. On top of that, when that information is misused, misdirected, uh, misinterpreted, you know, or, or intentionally le- leading someone to misinterpret it okay, for a specific purpose, I feel that the biggest crime and the biggest, biggest detriment to our society is that w- when we allow each other to believe a perception that's been given to us about an entire group of people, and in that, can, in that case, we, we are so at risk of losing empathy because without knowing those people, without knowing them, knowing their situation, knowing how the world looks through their eyes, we're way too susceptible to be saying, oh, oh, well, it happened to them. Well, it doesn't matter because they don't think the same way we do. They don't talk the same way we do. They don't look the same way. And, and I just – I love humanity too much to, to allow that to happen when I have the chance to just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to – Put, put my nose in here and say something and, and get involved. Start a conversation. I can't go into a grocery store or a 7-Eleven without starting a conversation. Drives my wife crazy, <laughs> but she understands it. <laughs> you know, that's so funny. I, I can, you and I can relate to that. I, there's a, a little Vons. It's a little market here within our community, and there's really no reason to mm-hmm. go into little Vons because it's not <laughs> off the major street. And because – I know everybody in this community because I've lived here forever. Sometimes mm-hmm, I walk mm-hmm. in there and I think, oh, gosh, they're just going to want to avoid me. It's like I just came in here to get a <laughs> bag of chips, and now I'm going to here for 40 minutes talking to Marsha. Marsha, oh, love goodness. you like I do. i, I got to keep feeling. moving. You know, sometimes it's somebody I don't know at all, but they got on a Clippers jersey, and the next thing you know, I'm knee-deep in the conversation. <laughs> so you and I yeah. are very well, much that, alike. That's we how I met Margo. Met that's actually, yeah. That's that's I how know. I met Mar- Mar- met Margo just passing by. She had a pup in the shopping cart, and I said, "Oh, what a cute yep. pup!" You know, and we just yeah. led on a conversation. There were just wonderful commonalities. A- absolutely, <laughs> and that is the beauty of humanity. That yes, is absolutely. words and actions, and that's why when I learned about you and and came to know about you and, and your relationship to Margo and Charlie. I knew right away that this, you were a guy I wanted to have on my show because <laughs> you're genuine. You know, if you were not mm-hmm. genuine and you're just spewing, that would not make for an interesting show. But you are you are right. genuine and you are compassionate, well, and you. those are things that I really do admire about you. So let me ask you, when you kind of look back on your history, where mm-hmm. do you think you were allowed to express yourself the most and feel the most useful when you as you as you think about that? Oh wow, surprisingly enough to some people it may sound surprising, but my six and a half years or so in the navy, um I was actually able to wear any hat that I wanted uh as far as the type of work. Um, I was able to meet as many people that, as I wanted. With my background in history, even right before that, I was working at an international translation company. And so everything that goes into our society, to see it on multiple levels, to see the considerations that go into the planning, what it means, and then into different languages, all of that, all the structure of that, the social engineering factors that go into all of that, and then to get into the military and Many people may think, you know, of course, you know, there is a specific job to do, and it's very autonomous in many, many, many uh, situations. Um, but the the ability to do the type of thing that I love doing, I was a mass communication specialist, and have all the tools and, and all the tools and toys almost, I'll say, you know, at, at my disposal, at my disposal to complete these missions that I was given 
whether they were direct missions for the ship or direct missions you know, for, for individuals that wanted to see certain things done within our command or on the ship or Navy-wide. Um, I, I was able to actually be myself. When I was considering joining, I joined at age 33 with two bachelors and went and enlisted because I, I enjoyed the prospect of what I was going to be doing as a mass communication specialist. Um, and to be you know, employing all of my multimedia background into the military and being able to show the world the great things that, ought, that do get done. I mean, you know, the biggest, um, biggest effort I was involved in was, was back when the, the tsunamis hit uh, Indonesia. And an entire ship you know, turned into a humanitarian rescue vessel. It was incredible. Uh, and to be able to share that through my photography or journalism, that, that is incredible. I love that. Uh, so I would definitely have to say I will, I will always look back on my military career as one of the things that not only I was able to be most useful and most appreciated and really, really feel like I was doing something terrific. No matter what else was going on, it was a great platform for me as well as pointing back to it and using everything that I gained from that experience now when I'm advocating for the individual veteran or the you know, individual person transitioning out of the military or – people that I meet out you know, with, with animal rescue issues that all ties into the leadership, the skills, everything that I gained that were pretty much perfected or you know, definitely advanced much further in the military than in any other career that I've had. Well, I'll tell you, I think it's very interesting, and, and, and maybe you're somewhat of an unusual situation in that um, until you just mentioned your age, you know, there's just this sort of presumption that, you know, you did go to college, and so you did mention that, mm-hmm. and that was great. And when you got out, you you used your GI Bill to, to further your education. But joining mm-hmm. at age 33 is sort of unusual. At least it seems like it's it was unusual. Yes, I was, I I was pops in boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but it also okay. gave it also yeah it also gave me the wonderful advantage of joining and being you know somewhat in, in the in the beginning ranks um, and then eventually you know by the time I was you know in in a in a higher rank and president of a second class association and doing incredible things that you wouldn't normally think happen on a ship but it is a small city mm-hmm. so things like the the you know the well being of, of the sailors and marines that are on that ship are important. And I would be assigned specific tasks to make sure that entire, an entire living barge of, uh, of sailors that were coming onto the ship, new to the command or living there while we were in the yards. I mean, how do we make sure that they're not getting themselves in, into more trouble than I would get myself into? You know, because that, that, was a, that was a common theme back then, too. I mean, many people that asked me to do things knew full well the interesting backstories as to why some people would look at me and say, Coleman, they're, they're asking you to do that, but you, you, you know, and no kidding. But, uh, you know, I had more experience and I, I knew what some of these young people were coming into the military facing. Some of these young people who come from a town or a city that they're used to their entire life. And then it is a huge, a huge, you know, mental and emotional shift for good, bad, or indifferent, you know, hopefully for the better. Sometimes it is not great for everyone. Now, when they transition out, you know that the, the VA and the military have an interest in making sure that those people are, are not you know, disenfranchised and falling by the wayside once they go back into civilian, the civilian world. 
Um, and and th that is where I like to come in in those instances. When, when sometimes it goes terrific or I'm just guiding someone, you know, straight to the VA or straight to resource that a lot of these great organizations and entities can do, sometimes the people that are disenfranchised or fall through the cracks if you want to, whether it's something that they've done or something that they still believe is holding them back, if I get introduced to them, um, I, can, I can believe them or not believe them on some of the things that have happened to them. That's in their past. That, that doesn't mean – that 10 years later, they have to be letting that be held over their head by anyone else or themselves. You know, how, how soon is it or when is the right time? And the right time is any time. When is the right time to just take ownership of your past, anything that's happened, and move forward with the resources right. that you may not have knew were there before or may not have trusted before? But with me, if, if I'm standing by your side while we're at the VA, Okay, you're much le less likely to just take that answer that many of us veterans got used to hearing a yes sir or no sir, and that's that's what you follow. It's difficult to advocate for yourself, you know, in situations where you don't feel you're allowed to or you don't feel that you have the the, the skills to. But so that's where that advocacy really really comes into play. Just being there with them. Well, I, I can appreciate that, and sometimes just like you were saying, you feel like you don't have a voice. Because right. you right. you you have experienced military for however long you've been in it, and mm -hmm. and sometimes having that person that is just in it, not not to win it, but in it to right. be your right hand and advocate for you when maybe you just honestly don't know how to do that, is is right. vital today wherever you live in this country. It's not just something it, that happens. In Southern it California, and that's, and that's, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that I noticed immediately when I, when I got out. I was very fortunate to be part of certain pilot programs on, on, on my way out. And as I saw everything that's available and how it's done, and then I saw certain sections of this uh, program implemented in different areas of the VA, uh, you know, I, I was like, wow, you know, if someone doesn't have family or friends to, to support them and, and be with them or someone to advocate for them, they could have a real difficult time navigating the VA or navigating pretty much anything and possibly be at risk and, and fall by the wayside. And that to me is just too much of a loss of, of this awesome human potential. I, I, I believe that there's, there's got to be more done for those efforts and, and the, the entities and the support is out there. It is there. I, I will I will listen to anyone who has a rough story about their experience with the VA or the military or any of the other entities that I've worked with. Um, but that does not mean that as a whole, they're not wonderfully always advancing entities. I mean, the VA is incredible. It's just when you hear some of the, some of the terrible things or instances where people are having a difficult time, please, I wish I was in front of them. I wish I was, I was there for them again, you know, to try it again, that type of thing. And hopefully that, I, hopefully that will lead into to other questions too. <laughs> it, well, it does. And I think one of the, you're talking about leading into and segueing, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, what do you see as the biggest advantage to you and to others who volunteer their time? What, what, tell me about how you experience that. The, the biggest advantage, and I can name a handful that, you know, you, you get to see new experiences. You get to learn things you didn't learn before. Um, but the biggest advantage is that when you volunteer with people in time, and we can, we can talk about 
um, volunteering for uh, an event that's going on, a charitable event. We can talk about volunteering time in, in a school, you know, helping a teacher for that day, just doing anything. You gain the perspectives of others, and so you will see that same subject or that same object from a different light, which of course adds to your understanding and possibly your ability to empathize with others, but it does that most important thing that when you hear something, which we all do, we all know nowadays that our information sources you know, are way too often entertainment. And a lot of times we're being given or choosing entertainment that fits what we want to hear or see. But when we actually volunteer and take the time and get to see those situations firsthand, we are far less likely to accept from others that this is happening to someone because they're this way or because of this or they did that. We can say, no, you know what? I was there. I was right there. I saw it. It's not really that way. Let's stop spinning it that way. Because certainly, you can imagine with my background, I, I mean, when, when my mother, you know, used to yell at me when I was little, no one likes you double talk, mister, or whatever, please. Uh, growing up, I'm like, well, people pay for that, mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that can be useful. It's, it's just like a magician that can, that can do wonderful things. Are they using their skills and talents to trick people and, and sway them out of their money? Or are they using it to edu- educate and enlighten and bring people together? There's a huge difference with the same thing, with that same word, that same object, that same tool. So volunteering really, really, really affords us the, the perspectives of others. That's the biggest thing. I, I, you said that beautifully, and I, I absolutely agree with you. Do you think a person's biggest influence sometimes can be mistakenly perceived as their biggest obstacle? Absolutely. Again, go back to when we were little. You know, what's the old adage that, you know, we thought our parents were, you know, loved them to the superheroes, then they go to being, you know, the, the wrong person and they don't understand. Then once you get to a certain age, oh, I see what they were talking about. That can be that can be applied to so many things that we normally see as obstacles. Okay. Um, there, there's a, there's a tattoo on my arm that has a, uh, it, it looks like a, just sort of a befuddled guy with his head in the clouds and it's got a little, it's this, you know, symbol for the eyes and stuff. Uh, but you turn it upside down and it looks like Einstein, uh, because many times, many times in my adventures, experiences, career paths, anything, a lot of those things that look like, Oh crap, what, what monkey wrench did they just throw at me? Many times you got to realize, well, shoot, Two minutes ago, I was just saying I could use a good monkey wrench, you know, Um, (laughs) and so that's very, very important to look at things as opportunities. Change the perspective. Well, wait a minute. If this thing in front of me is hurting me or if it's detrimental, somebody's benefiting from it. Okay, some, some, it's there for a reason. Somebody, you know, is somebody seeing it from a different perspective? Why can't I look at it from a diff- different perspective and look at that courtroom as something I want to be in? I want to be proactive. You know, we're talking specifically maybe now when I'm dealing with, you know, a, a homeless veteran that, that is, is worried about a small warrant over their head or something. And they, they finally, if they hang around me a little bit, they finally realize that that big obstacle that they see, that big mountain that's impossible to climb, if they get stopped or pulled over or questioned, they've got this warrant. If they realize, hey, this is something that, you know, you get yourself on docket, that's what you do. You go, you talk about it. If you can show a court that you are being proactive and you have a presentation for a plan, all they're going to do is, you know, 99% of the time look at you and you say, you're saving us time and money. Go for it. Let's go. 
Um, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about that because when it comes to entities like our, our judicial system or even law enforcement and things like that, there, there, there has to be more attention and more credit given to, to the wonderful parts of those entities and jobs and what they do. And, and we should really be reaching out to them and trusting a little bit more in what's going on, even when we're paying attention to the isolated incidences that need attention and advocacy from the civilian side, from this, you know, from, from sometimes things are not perfect and we know that, uh, but there's no reason to, 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 to harp on that unless we're going to make progress with it. For example, you know, that person that, that is avoiding going to be pro, you know, going forward and being proactive about something that's looming over their head. And that's what's stopping them from getting a job or that's what's stopping them from uh, going back to the VA. Some of these things are not as insurmountable as we've been led to believe by our own mind or just by the company that we're keeping at the time. So again, I, you know, whenever I see from a very, very early age, I loved it. Anytime that I see a problem or an obstacle, my my initial reaction, okay, how do we get around this? How do we solve this? And and that flowed into even a love of putting off my own problems, you know, the whole procrastination thing. You need help with that? Let me come over and help with that. Let's let's get that done. No, no, we can get that taken care of. You know, but but uh, that that whole looking at things as an obstacle, sometimes we have to redefine what we're labeling something. I think that's very important. I do too. And I'd like cool. to I'd like to move us in a little direction now, but sure. I also want to come back to what you were saying about about law enforcement. But mm-hmm. because we are friends on Facebook, and you know, I I rely on social media um, to get my right. word out about what I do, and I believe that you know many of us do when we're trying to convey a message. And yes. I I really want to talk um, a little bit about. Your fabulous page, Matthew, and and oh, okay. this is your group page. A lot of us have a yes. personal page. I do as well, but I also have my Born to Talk Facebook page, and you have a page called Roston, and I'm going to spell that for people, R-O-S-T-E-N, Roston yes. Rescue Advocacy, and you are the administrator of that, and I think Correct. it would be great to talk about that, and I know I have the very first question I want to ask you, Matthew, because Rawson isn't your last name. And, Correct. Um, gosh, you know what I just heard in my mind? Oh, that's probably so okay. wrong. Was there ever no, no. something called Rawson Perina Perina dog food? I don't know. That just I don't know why I thought I of that. I don't believe so. I, Wouldn't surprise that's probably me though. Wrong, I, I don't. But I, just, I, don't, I haven't some, heard of that. But hey, sorry. Something just something just popped in. And, maybe, hey, you maybe know, there I'm should maybe that. maybe there should be. Maybe there should be. I don't know if I would choose. I don't know if I would choose Purina. Maybe maybe not. But uh, I mean the. But, but maybe so there should be. <laughs> uh, uh, let me tell you, I heard it in my brain. So, uh, but let's hey, let's get uh, to the real answer, which is how did you come up with that name? Oh, you know it was Ralston. It was R A L S T O. That's how I. Okay, never mind. Ah, that, I, I okay. sidetracked us. How did you come up with the name okay. of Boston yeah. Rescue Advocacy? Um, if okay, I'll go into a little bit, a quick little minute of of sure. like some of the people that I'd like to thank. Which this in this instance, it will just be family for right now. I'd like to thank some others later if I could. Um, sure. But my my mother, the wonderful person. She she was a career microbiologist and just fabulous person. Um. You know, she even her. She took time. She uh, she 
went to a, a Navajo reservation and was sort of like a teacher's aide um, in the school system there for, for a little bit, just volunteering. Uh, my sister, who is just a rock star, in, in my opinion, she has been doing uh, similar to what I do in the way of like, you know, doing things for humanity and for people and for communities her whole career. Her, her uh, company is called EduCare. Um, and she she trains admins on on how to run facilities for people, you know, good facilities like uh, Jewish Family Services was one of her first back in Ohio. Now she runs her her own Educare. Um, but so basically, my mother's name is Rosemary. My sister's name is Kristen. My younger brother, who's just a great great guy, uh, he he uh, he's uh, he does a lot with um, finance and things like that. But he's just an incredible family man. Reminds me a lot of my dad. Uh, he's got he and his wife have three wonderful daughters who are just about as active as you can get in everything. So how do, how they handle that I don't know. But when mm-hmm. my dad, my dad who's uh, who has you know long since passed and uh, I still feel he's with me all the time. When he was first starting his electrical engineering um, firm and work, uh, he had always told my mother. This was way way back when uh, when they had only had my my sister, their first their, their daughter um, Kristen. And he had always told my mother that when he gets big enough to be on his own, his own electrical engineering firm, he's going to call it Roston for the first three letters of Rosemary and P-E-N, the last three letters of Kristen. And it was going to be called Roston. Well, by the time he got well-known enough in Cleveland, Ohio, he was already too well-known as Coleman Associates, and it was way past the point of changing that. So I'd always promised him that whatever I do outside of any like structured working for any other entity, if I'm doing it on my own, you know, like a freelance photography business or anything that I tried to do in and out during school or in between school or in between careers, I would call it Roston. And then once uh, over the last five or six years, once I really, really started to develop my advocacy and rescue organization and volunteer type efforts, I was like, what a perfect compliment to my dad, you know, to call it, mm. you know, to call it mm. Roston Rescue Advocacy. That's where the name comes from. <laughs> that's a great story. So let's, <laughs> let's let our, that's a great story. I, that, I love stories. What can I say? So why did <laughs> you too. start this group and, and why is it so important to you? I think, uh, I think I can, trace it back to not, not only what I did before the military and um, in the military, no matter what job title, uh, there was always a, a recognition about me just giving a darn, let's say that, you know, but really, really caring about the people surrounding me. And, and no matter what was going on with myself, um, that, that attention was being given. And so whether it was on behalf of a, of a Jesuit priest at school that just noticed somebody wasn't showing up to class, can you, you know, can you figure out why hang, hang around and, and you figure out that there's something going on at home um, in the military? Like I said, there were plenty of, of opportunities for me to pay attention to things like that. Then when I got out and I was hoping to go into teaching and hoping to go into speech language pathology and pretty much that's when when my body and it, it was because of, you know, me with me. When I talk about putting things in the past with me, it was the drinking. And when I was like, OK, that's it. It's got to come out. It was because all of that progress sort of came to a screeching halt for a while. And, of course, I did the boo-hoo, pity me, you know, for a month or two. And as I started to, to get back into life and realize, wow, no, man, I, I almost died there. And, and I really, really now appreciate everything that I thought I appreciated before times 10. So as I even just started to go about my day-to-day, 
And I ran into the same hurdles that many veterans run into, many people with pets run into, when you're in situations where you're not a high income type person, okay, life cannot, life can be, you know, not so easy, or life can be a little bit difficult, uh, even with the things in place that are supposed to be there to support and help. So as I started to navigate those, as I started to look into getting my VA rating up, or looking into the, using the GI Bill, or looking into even animals that I was uh, you know, in charge of, whether they were my pet or, or my sons at the time, anything, looking into options for support and help. It just really, 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 really bothered me how difficult it could be if you're not this or not that or don't live here, not qualified, don't say this, don't say that. It, it was just like, really, come on, there, there has to be, we, we can do better by each other. There has to be better ways of getting through these structures and, and entities and systems that are already in place or to improve them or whatever. And so I found ways to get the right thing done no matter what. And if I was able to do that, and if I then overhear other people with similar problems, I am not the type of person to if, – if something happens, somebody falls because they're ill. I'm not the type of person to take out my cell phone and start taking pictures and hoping to get on YouTube. I'm not <laughs> the type of person to you know, just hear somebody having a problem or see someone you know, literally living on the streets and just say, stay away from me, stay away from me because I, 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 I've been there. I know these problems. I know how lonely and alone people can feel in these problems, whether they're all alone physically or in a room full of a million people, you can still feel so alone. And so I realized there has to be something, and maybe it's just the way that I talk. Maybe it's just the way that I get upset when things aren't going well. But some, something about that has to be useful to others. And sure enough, it little by little, all the way up until today, where it, it, it developed into, I can advocate for you. I can be your voice. I can, I can walk with you. You know, we have wonderful, wonderful stand downs, and those are great. And I try to get people to those, and I try to learn as much about those as I can with the limited time that I have available the two or three, four, sometimes four or five good days that my, you know, disabilities and my physical limitations allow me up and about to do. Um, I find that the most valuable way that I can show an appreciation for everything that I've been through and I've been given is to share a little bit of that with anyone that'll listen, basically. And a lot of times that's going to be the people that, that need just to be listened to and need to, need to feel human again you know, because, because they've spent so much time believing that self-talk or the labels and everything that's put on them for, from others that they're only exactly what they think of in their mind and they can't do any better or further or better themselves, and that's unacceptable to me. Again, that loss of this wonderful human potential that is all of us. I cannot just sit by and complain. I can't – if there's a problem and if we complain about it and don't do anything, then are we just adding to the problem? You know, so to me, the action of being there, my word is my word, and my word is backed up with action, and I'm going to be there. And, and that, I don't know, people seem to like it when I do it for free. <laughs> I'm, yeah. kidding, I'm kidding, but I mean, but I, I have so many doors open when, when I tell people, listen, I will photograph your events for free, you know, charity events. I will do this. I will write, you know, PR. I will write, you know, any, anything we need, anything you need that you would normally spend a ton of money on. I'm a retired disabled veteran. I, I'm very, very happy 
that that the the taxpayers are you know our taxes are paying my disability. Why should that not go back into the community? So if I can photograph, if I can use one of my old skills like photographing your event, I'm going to do it for free because you're doing great things and I'm going to meet 20 people. So that that type of thing, I I just love doing. That really does make me happy. Even if you look at it from a selfish point of view, it's making me happy and feel useful. <laughs> I and you know what? If we don't feel useful, that's a pretty sad way to live. And, it is. And it and, is. and I and what what I can imagine when you when you come across a veteran, male or female, and you recognize what those symptoms are or what they're yes. dealing with by your conversation or the lack thereof, because my sense is that True. while you and I have never met physically in person, there's no doubt in my mind that when you observe somebody, you are seeing deep into that observation, not just Absolutely. surface. And that's Absolutely. what allows you, because you know, and, and Matthew, that's what I know. I've said this more than once during the show, but if anybody listening can can feel that too, I don't. This isn't BS. This isn't. Well, let me right. just tell you how great I am. So let's just uh, let me let's applaud now. Let, yay for Matthew. That isn't what this is all about at all. This is right. really about humanity, and you being able to offer. I th- I loved what you said about the loneliness. You know, I mm-hmm. if people are involved in in homeless um, organizations as I am, and experience mm-hmm. seeing people on the street and understanding that there could be PTSD, there could be drugs, there could be a lot of reasons. There are right. you could speak to this more than I can about VAs uh, that are veterans that are afraid to go inside. They're they're fearful right. of that, and and right. so you know. It, it, it it's a problem, no, but I exactly. but what I hear no, exactly. you saying let, is it. Go ahead. It, well, I was gonna I was gonna keep going right with that, and hopefully, uh, I, I, some of the words that you said led me into a big point that I like to make. There are so many healthcare professionals, mental healthcare professionals, uh, you know, very 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 well versed and well meaning individuals that are finally having success. And and the type of thing that I like to do, and that's show that what goes on with veterans with PTSD or any of those subjects happens to all of us, the families, the people. I mean, think about law enforcement and what their families go through. Uh, You know, the the law enforcement themselves, firefighters, what they see every day. And and they go home to families with the same traumatic experiences, and their family members – see it and recognize it so we need to be paying attention to our our societal mental health well-being and behavioral well-being as a whole and a good foot in the door a good foot in the door is is saying okay let's let's address some of the things that we all all agree on because no one is going to tell me that i can't help veterans no one's going to tell me that you know, and then that that flows over into okay, and then also all of these people, and also all of that group, because all of us, in some level, on that big bell curve, are the same, experience the same things, just with different contexts, different vocabulary, different objects, different groupings of molecules in front of us. Anything you, any way you want to look at it, okay, we have so much more in common, and those things that hurt us and hold us back, that fear of loneliness. Think of how long how long is the 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 thought or notion of being exiled been in humanity's history, okay? And that fear, it, it's not when it actually happens. It's that fear of that loneliness happening to us that sometimes, again, gets us to go along with something that we normally wouldn't have because we're happy it's not us. 
Um, and that's, that's, again, where it comes back into play. We need those experiences with each other so that when it comes to not allowing others to place a judgment of others in our own minds, we can see firsthand, no, I know these people. I know this person. I know that situation, and we can do better. We can help, that type of thing. Agreed. And you, you, you alluded to something early in the show, and I, I wanted to bring you back to this. And um, you've, you've mentioned law enforcement and you've mentioned the, yes. the, the systems that we're in. Have you ever seen yes. a law enforcement officer or a judge out of uniform, and how did it look different from what others might have imagined? Yes, yes. And, and um, let me uh, sort of talk a little bit about you know, if, if we're talking about out of uniform, of case, we're not talking about, okay, I, I went, uh, you know, to, to a, a beach or anything like that with, with, uh, with an officer or a judge. No, we're talking about when I've seen them step basically outside of that role, outside of their uniform, and be nothing but human. And if we want to talk about a, a quick example, I could go on and on and on about uh, my favorite judge up in Riverside County, a fellow Jesuit uh, uh, he went to a, a, a rival Jesuit high school back in, in Ohio, and we had a great conversation during one of the court uh, courtroom uh, times. I w- I've been in front of him probably about eight or nine times, and one of the times Latin was brought up, and that's how that's how we developed our rapport. And uh, you know, I, I look forward to meeting him again. But when it comes to law enforcement that that serves within our communities. Uh, Again, without without getting into incidences or anything specific uh, that that mm-hmm. might need addressing on an individual level. As a whole, when I see these people being their best, and and I can talk maybe specifically more about some of the people on the outreach teams in the departments. When I see such incredible evidences of humanity, um, I I don't feel those should be missed, uh, and that and that gets used when I'm dr- addressing some of the homeless people that I'm working with on the street. Uh, I, I don't really uh, have permission to like name a bunch of people by name, but I can certainly mention Officer Todd Johnson up in Riverside with the Riverside uh, County Sheriff's Department, an incredible individual who, who truly, truly cares. Um, I can bring up a specific story about a, an officer here who's on one of the outreach teams who I've, I've met a couple times, and I'm looking forward to actually sitting down with all of them. Uh, you know, we're getting close to, to hopefully that, but sitting down with all of them and talking about how much I've observed. Uh, the veteran that I've been working with for about two and a half years that I met during an animal rescue, actually, and uh, he was on an encampment, and it was just a situation where, man, you know, you deserve to be happier than this for what you've done and what you've been through. Uh, I mean, this guy was just working, being worked a little bit harder than I think, you know, is, is fair and was pretty much just there and thought that's what his life was going to be. He didn't realize that we can go back and readdress some of these things with the VA or with the courts. Within a short period of time, there was a judge that had signed away quite a bit, you know, quite a bit, pretty much everything uh, that we had been battling with. We got him into the VA. He's now got health care. He's now got a roof over his head. This guy is, is now volunteering with me back in the community because he's got every skill set you can imagine. I know. He is valuable to himself and to the community now. It's fabulous. Now, when I came across – one, one of the mornings that he was having a tough time a long time ago when he came back here and here to Escondido, 
And uh, it was right around the time when the city was really starting to make a lot of changes and, and really, really try to make a lot of improvements. And so he found it tough living on these streets that he hadn't been on in 10 years. And it's a lot different story now. So, of course, I get a phone call at about seven in the morning and, you know, all the police are bothering me. They're going to arrest me and all this. I mean, you know, it, was, it wasn't that bad. I, mean, I don't think he said that word. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, they, they were approaching him and talking to him. And I jumped, uh, jumped up and said, OK, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. Well, by the time I get there, of course, everything was over because they were just checking to make sure that he was, you know, not in harm's way or not going to harm anyone else and just doing exactly what he said he was doing. So by the time he was okay, I sped up a little bit, jumped back in the car, sped up a little bit, and, and came across the you know car. And I was like, this has to be them because it, it was just a minute ago. And as I go running into this crowd where there's like four or five officers standing there, one of them actually looked over and recognized me right away from about four instances that we've had in the last five months before that. He was like, hey, what's up? And uh, an officer shaver actually came over, uh, you know, came out of sort of the group and talked to me and looked at me and I looked horrible. I didn't even realize it. I looked terrible. I just jumped off off the couch, like I said, and, you know, it was early in the morning. Um, but still, you know, he's listening to me, you know, and, and I, I said, oh, you know, I, I heard you just had an encounter with this gentleman, you know, trust me, we're doing everything and he's doing everything and this, this, and this. Officer Shaver sort of leaned over, put his head down, and with the most honest look in his eye, really just said, you know, he, he seems like a great guy, man. Is, is he going to be okay? I was like, wow, wow, man, this, this is a good guy. This is a good guy. And I was able to tell him, yeah, he's, he's, you know, doing much better. And right now he's still just in the process. We're waiting to get him into housing. Well, that is not only wonderful, but that would, that type of thing will come up later on. If I'm addressing two young people on the streets who should not be there, we're not talking about, you know, uh, people who are, who are there because of things that have happened. We're talking about some of the individuals that choose to be living the lifestyle that they are. And of course, when I'm talking to them and they know I'm a veteran, you know, they, they try to use that word. Hey, I appreciate you, man. I pre I'm like, no, I, I don't think that you know what that word means. I don't think you appreciate the sacrifices that were made because look at what you do. Look at the scabs all over you. This, I'm talking to you because this dog that you have right here is in danger hanging around with you. And we get on the conversation of some of the officers that they have encountered. And this young man, I'm not even going to say his name because we, we don't need to talk about that. I want to talk about Officer Shaver. Okay, he, this young man tried to tell me that, that Officer Shaver was not you know, as, as honest as, as I should believe and everything. And I could tell this guy, I said, listen, I have seen that, that officer at his best. I've seen his heart. You cannot tell me things like that. And of course – you know, he has to say, well, okay, I, I understand, I understand, but that guy that you told me he was helping, he's probably just okay with it because he knew he was going to be leaving the city. I said, no, this, he knew that this guy was going to be living in the city and had genuine concern for this man's well-being, so you can't tell me that. And, of course, they just sort of have to let it at that, and then they know the next time that I see them in my community. If I'm going to the grocery store, if I'm at the gas station, they cannot give me that as an excuse. And that's what I do many times is I'm taking out those excuses, taking out those hurdles, taking out those obstacles so that people can get back to being their best, at least get on the road to it. I, you must I, – I, when you write this book that's yet to be published, <laughs> um, I would imagine you could do just several chapters 
of success stories. And I realize oh, that that absolutely. word, because absolutely. we've been talking about words a lot today, you know, success yeah. in itself can be defined differently for some people. Just exactly. the fact and, that this veteran that you just referred to, that he was able mm-hmm. to get some medical care, yeah, that he his, was his able William, to get yeah, some shelter. Great guy. Great His guy. name is William. Okay, and so now, William, yes. so now William can advocate for others because he, he does. does have have the empathy and he does have the understanding. Yes. And he's mm-hmm. he's not just deciding. Gee, this would be a fun thing to do with my time. No, he's right. been in the exactly. He's not been that in at those all. shoes. He, he know he knows he knows the down and dirty of it, and he has been with mm-hmm. me long enough, and he appreciates the fact that what it takes is for advocates and people to be by someone's side at each level of success, each platform. Because once, once, you, ha- once you have access to all of this information, knowledge, mo- uh, mobility, you know, everything that you didn't have for so long, how do you handle that now? How do you deal with electric companies and bill- billings and things like that that you didn't have to deal with for years and years and years? How right. do you deal with cashing a big check? Everything. And and if and if we if we if we fall short at just thinking that we've gotten someone, you know, out of the situation that we didn't think they should be in, then we're not really doing a good job of advocating for that person. We're only filling our own agenda. Then it's back to what you said we're staying away from. Oh, look what I did. It's not that at all. Right. It's it's the it's the continued involvement. It, you know, when when you're when you finally get your kids to college, you don't just say, "Okay, we're done. That's it. You're not going to have any problems from here on." Have in. a nice life, right? <laughs> well, and the other thing I you know. the other thing I hear you say, Matthew, is that I I think what you also do is you meet people where they're at. And, Absolutely and yes, I do. I do person, a stand-in approach. I will go. I will meet them. I will put myself in their shoes and say, you know what. Uh, it's time for battle stories maybe later because we all got them all right but right now if i'm you and you're me guess what i'm tired of being in this situation let's figure out how to get out of it i'm going to be with you the whole way and when people don't like my solutions i don't care if it's someone in a boardroom i don't care if it's someone in a tent city if they don't like my solutions there's usually a reason and i will get to that reason eventually Mm -hmm. i'll hang around them long enough as long as they'll hang around me Sometimes they peel away. There are times where it doesn't work out. But when it does, wow, it is an entirely different universe for that person. Entirely different. And, and you know, that's interesting what you said because I would imagine that not everybody is going to accept what it is you're trying to offer them. It's like, you know, just just move away, man. I I don't want to talk to you. Uh, You're too happy for me. And I like feeling miserable because I because I have every reason to feel they're, miserable. They're used to it. And you're, and, uh, yes, yeah, and we, be, we become comfortable with those emotions. And we're all addicted yeah. to these emotions that, you know, from wherever we get them from. You know, sure. we live in a society of, that we're addicted to emotions. And, again, being a large part of that in my history, um, you know, the, the, the wonderful part of that, sometimes when we realize that it's, that it's almost too much – then we at least have to step back and take a look for those who are being left behind or disenfranchised because I think it takes all of us. I really do. I think it takes all of us to get to where humanity wants to go, and I don't see any reason to intentionally leave anyone behind, and I don't see a reason to intentionally convince others that some people should be left behind. Exactly. It's pretty hard to see somebody – that you are visually seeing, whether they're standing in the medium on a highway or they, mm-hmm. they've just come out from their tent. or we, we see a lot of that here 
in our where we live in this part of the country Absolutely. because of the temperatures. And, and we have and we and, have cities that we just do not want to see. We don't want to see some of these terrible conditions repeated in in every city. You know, and some some cities, like I said, when I work with law enforcement or politicians, um, I, I met with uh, with a mayor the other day, and I'm meeting with another uh, candidate tomorrow morning. You know, from any side, I I don't mm-hmm. mind. I, it, we have to put that down if we're addressing the human issues. We got to realize that we we got to be on the same page for this. And and I think that I'm seeing a lot of wonderful wonderful enthusiasm for that. I think I think that a lot more people are doing the type of thing that I do. And then we always have to point out the, the great entities that are doing what I do, what I can do in my, you know, in my volunteer time, a little bit here and there due to my, you know, available time. We have to realize that there are people that are doing this 24 hours a day. Our, you know, right. our teachers, our doctors, our, our law enforcement, our firefighters, they do these wonderful things every single day. And those should be the people that we're putting up on a pedestal. Those are the people that we should be naming. Those are the people that we want to emulate. You know, that's what that's what we have to do if we want to heal ourselves as a society. Pay attention to what's good. Don't discredit what's going wrong. Address it. Take right. ownership of it. If I did something, sure, I did that. Then let's get past it. Okay. But we have to we have to look towards each other because we're, we're all we got. that's a good you know I'm thinking about just you know I I hope that someday we really have an opportunity to meet one another face to face I do too I I, I believe we will (laughs) I believe we will as well I I, but I was thinking and I I think about this a lot as I, I as I apply it to myself and also, when I ask my guests, I, I like this question because I think it allows us to reflect. And oftentimes, shows like this, when you know you're going to be the guest on someone's show, and I know this is not your first rodeo, but it does, it does make us think about, well, what message do we want the audience to take away? What, why, why am I talking to Marsha to start with? What's important? So the question that comes through my mind is that as you look back on your life, and you look mm-hmm. about look at your your childhood when you grew up in Ohio and your family and your sisters and your mom and your dad what what advice would you give your younger self knowing what you know today mm, I, first off I, I knowing my younger self back then I don't think I would have listened even if it was my prior in my, my present self showing up <laughs> i'd have probably just been curious how the heck did you get here come on show me quick quick <laughs> um but but I, I i i you know i think that i probably would have uh um i probably would have said you know keep keep going with exactly what you're doing and because what i what i keep doing is always you know my, my ears and eyes are always open Life is always a learning experience, and you're always just adding. You're just adding. You know, it 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 is infinite, and and so if it's infinite, if we realize it's infinite, then it's usually in the direction of one way or the other. The Earth keeps spinning, you know, so we're we're never standing still. If you try to stand still, you're you're behind. Um, so I, I think I would definitely have have told myself to um, you know keep with it. Um, I can't say that I would have warned myself to change anything. Because of how mm-hmm. valuable everything that has happened has been, uh, I'd have probably just told myself, I don't, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have told myself, you know, keep going, and maybe, uh, how about this? I would, I would have taken more time to appreciate things, to appreciate everything that I was seeing and thinking was just so awesome, 
Okay, there's a big difference in thinking the world and everybody around you is awesome and adventurous, and no matter what comes in your way, you can, you can work with it. There's a difference between seeing that and really, really appreciating it. And so I think if I would have told myself to take more time to appreciate everything around you, I think I would have wasted less time. I would have lost – I probably would have quit drinking earlier <laughs> you know, Interesting. and just gotten, gotten busier earlier. I think <laughs> that's 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 interesting and and before we're because we're really coming to the end of our hour, but I I did uh-huh. recall you saying a little while ago, you know you mentioned your your sister and your mom and your brother. Yes. But is was there yes. somebody else that you wanted to thank before we say goodbye to one another and thank each other for this opportunity? I I think I think that um, I, I can't even go a moment of my life without thanking my wife. She she puts up with me more than anyone has been able to in the world. And, and, you know, it's, it, I know that it can be difficult at sometimes. Um, many, many times in our life we've been, you know, geographically apart or together and, and that hasn't mattered as far as how much we care for each other. And so when we spend time together as a married couple, trust me, it, 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 it's a toll. And so I appreciate everything that she does for me. There are days where she's feeding me soup because I cannot get up and move. So that, you know, everything about family. Um, I can't help but thank some of the wonderful people from like what I call my parent rescue organizations in the animal rescue world, you know, FCIA and face foundation. Um, you know, they, they, I, I run pretty much everything out of my own disability budget, but they pitch in the big, the big, you know, uh, support for the animal surgeries, anything, anything, excuse me, of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't think that there's anyone that I, that I wouldn't want to thank, you know, in particular, no, I think that that, what you just said in my mind makes total sense because you're a grateful, uh-huh. appreciative person. So you're going to, you're not going to, you're, you're going to just, you're going to say, I appreciated the checker that, that checked me out when I bought the soda today and I thank them uh-huh. and thank you. I mean that's just yes. that's just how you that's just how you operate, and I think when I, I told I, yes, people I about believe, this show, I believe that's so that's so important. You know the pragmatics of how we we treat each other and, and how we speak to each other, and and all that goes into that body language, everything. You know our the, our word choices. I I believe you know that has to constantly be something that we can enjoyably look towards improving. Always, we have to enjoy that that multifaceted you know world of communication with each other and what it actually means, what the vocabulary words actually mean. <laughs> well, you know, Matthew, what I and I will I'll be writing a blog about our show and I'll be uh, posting um, the embedded link to this audio show for people that missed it. Terrific. But I think it's really important for people to visit your your Facebook page because you do have a GoFundMe page. Because yes. you know if you're going to start a 501c3, you can't do that without some some money aside to be that able to true. operate it. And I true. know that yeah. I don't hear you saying. So could you, if everybody listening just threw a hundred dollars my way, imagine. I don't hear you saying nah. that. I really don't no. hear you saying that. You're not saying that. But if somebody feels touched by by what you're doing and what what you're doing for humanity, whether it's mm-hmm. that the the veteran, the homeless person, that dog, whomever, um they, there's a way to say thank you to you for for all your efforts, oh, but you. whether somebody donates $100 or somebody only dates donates $3, it's not going to stop you from mm-hmm. what you're doing. 
Right. And and the biggest thing that I like to see, like even people that come back um, once they're on their feet and they say, what can I do? What can I get back? It, if, if they really truly want to um, honor or appreciate anything that I've said, their, their real pitching is, is their time. Really. I mean, I, I'd love to have 20 people calling me say, Hey, over the next month, I might have a couple hours to volunteer. Can that be helpful? Or if they call and tell me a story about how they did something awesome within their community and they saw within five minutes, how five people were shaking hands and high five instead of spitting at each other. That's right. my currency. That's what I right. want to see. <laughs> well, I, I want to thank you for the currency of your time with me oh, today in this one-hour show. There is no doubt we could have spoke much longer, and I often <laughs> say this to guests that have such compelling stories that we will do this again. We will revisit I, with I each other so. I want to. six months I, from I now. I dearly want to. Yes, I yes want and to very you can much bring so. us – Bring us up to date where where you where you are from now and into this next new year, and I just wish you continued good health, um, and your wonderful wife. That's name you didn't mention, but maybe that was because <laughs> Rochelle. I'm sorry, Rochelle. Okay, yes. okay. Rochelle. She, she's adopted. Say- she's she has adopted your uh, what you said to me the other day when we were talking, which, and it was which- one of the only things that was affected. <gasps> When 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 you were talking to me, you said, "Now Matthew, don't respond." Don't respond. I was like, "That's perfect." <laughs> so and my my wife, I think my wife is going to have that tattooed on me. <laughs> oh my gosh, Rachel and I are kindred spirits uh, because you know you promised me you'd stay focused, and you know what? High five to you, dude, because you did it. You knocked it out of the park. So thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you. If people knew thank what our other phone calls was to like, it's like, are you kidding? This has just been. And because you know what, here's what happened as we say goodbye to one each other. There's a trust factor here, and I suppose I I would imagine that everyone you come in contact, every single person, whether it's the guy at the gas station, whether it's the vet taking care of a broken leg, whom, whether it's Margot in in Home Depot, people (laughs) trust you, Matthew, and I I I just think that you're authentic. Funny and quirky yeah, as you thank might you. be. <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love to look. I love to look at a person and figure out first and foremost what is the bridge that I can build to to communicate with this person. What what do we have in common? And and I see so much in people. I see so much wonderful stuff in people. And I can I can trace back to where it comes from. And I want to talk to them about it. And then then yes, that genuineness. I am I am exactly what you see here and get. I'm an open book always. Well, so the book has come to um, the end. <laughs> nice, nice. See, I'm a professional at this. Uh, yes, wonderful. Segue. I love it. <laughs> uh, me as well. And so I want to thank you once again for your time, and I look forward to our next show together. Margot, I know you've been listening. High five to you, girl. <laughs> this, was a, this was a great connection. Hello, Margot. I'm sure I'll talk to her the, soon, too. And, you know, I'm going to just say one last thing because I keep saying I have one last thing and there's like 40 more things I'm saying. So here we are. We're talking about you as as a, as a veteran. And mm-hmm. next week, talk about how it could be any different. I'm having two people from the Memphis Rock and Soul Hall of Fame talking all oh about music goodness. and what goes on in Memphis at their, at their – and you know how we met? Via – 
Facebook because I am that telling awesome. you my guests are awesome. coming from Facebook in a way that lets me know that we are connected and I see the beauty in that. So Lori Montanero and John Doyle are going to be on my show next week and it's going to be a rock and roll fantasy. So I'm going it. to say goodbye for now and thank you yes, everybody for, for, for listening. And if you all just told two friends, you got to listen to this yes. show. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be great. So I'd love it. Until next time, <laughs> goodbye for now. Goodbye, and thank you so much. Take care. You're welcome. Bye. All right.